Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today we are doing Oh, The Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. Mate, this is a bit of a risk for us. This is, a, I suppose, on the surface, it looks like a bit of a kid's book. It, well, it is a kid's well, book. I suppose it is. <laughs> a lot of pictures in there, not a whole lot of words. We did try and review this about 12 months ago, and it didn't really work out. So uh, we're going to do it in a different format today. So what we're doing is we're going to take the five big lessons that we learn as adults from the book. So we're shoehorning a few other books into the lessons that are really from the story of the hero in in this story. Yeah, and we, uh, I think you read it differently, obviously, as a kid to as an adult. And you read it differently again after you've read 200 different books. In our document, the top 50 best books of all time, we had like a, a full page dedicated to this where we sort of cherry-picked a few of the lines and did a little bit of a, a short interpretation of sort of what it meant in the in the grand scheme of things. But we're going to go a bit deeper here and sort of mix the, that cocktail together to pull out five lessons as opposed to 20 different one-sentence scatterguns. A lot like a movie like The Lion King or Aladdin. As a kid, you're really entertained from the book for certain reasons, but you can look at it from the perspective mm-hmm. as an adult and get a, a completely different range of lessons from it. So we're going to talk about five lessons throughout this episode. The first one is centered around the ideas of being proactive, making a conscious choice and accepting responsibility. So very early in the book, it's got a picture of our hero with a whole range of uh, different roads going in all kinds of different directions and with different buildings in any direction you, you go. And it says, you have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself in any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know and you are the guy who will decide where to go. So it is all about this idea that we have choices. You know, We can go in any direction and it's really important that we consciously choose which of those directions that we steer ourselves towards. Uh, there are forces, external forces all around us trying to direct us down one path or another. But it's important that we do because we do have brains in our heads and we do have feet in our shoes. It's important that we make our own conscious choices. Darren Hardy explores this in The Compound Effect. He says here, we all come into this world exactly the same. So we're all naked, we're scared, and we're all completely ignorant at the very start. But then what happens in your life is basically just an accumulation of the choices you make throughout it. So your choices you make become either your best friend or your worst enemy when when time is involved. So they can actually deliver you the goals you want and they send you orbiting to a random galaxy really far away. Yeah, exactly. It's everything that we do, as you say, is really a combination of our of like our, our choices and our habits. The directions that we choose to go down ultimately will lead us to where we, we end up. So it is important the as early as possible to choose that direction because whatever choices you make early sort of have the biggest leverage in that they dictate what choices you can make next. They're already pointing you down one trajectory. So implicit in making choices means that you're being proactive, which is similar to habit one from seven habits. Because if you don't make a choice, you're just really reacting to all the circumstances that are being pushed onto you in the world. So between stimulation and response, you have the ability to choose. So when something happens, you can choose actually how you respond to it. And the whole idea of responsibility is response ability. So it's your own ability to respond to what events uh, present to you. Yeah, in that, in that gap 
between the thing that happens externally that you can't control and the thing that you can control, which is your own choice, it is important to recognize that you have the ability, um, you know, that response ability. You have the ability to respond. So it is vitally important that we do recognize that it's the choice is up to us. We do have the ability to make the choice and it's important that we do uh, choose to be proactive rather than reactive. So rather than reacting to what happens around us, we're proactive in choosing what we want. So remember, you have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, and you can steer yourself in any direction you choose. Oh, bang. <laughs> so the second lesson is the idea of getting outside your comfort zone and taking that call to adventure. So, you know, Dr. Seuss, as our little friend here is is going along on, on his or her journey, he says that it's opener there in the wide open air in that if you step outside your comfort zone, you head out on this long journey, it is open uh, compared to if you're constrained within the, uh, the, if you're compared to if you're constrained within, you know, what other people are trying to direct you towards. So what he's saying is what you're doing right now in your own little comfort zone, it's, there's a lot of certainty there and it's kind of by saying it's opener out there, there's, uh, it's, it's the idea of there's a lot more freedom if you move outside your comfort zone and there's much more of an exciting adventure. So this is what the hero is doing. He's moving on forward onto his first adventure, uh, what he's going to undertake for the rest of the book. So this call to adventure, as outlined in The Hero with a Thousand Faces, is a big part of every single story that you actually really come across, whether it be a big Hollywood blockbuster where, you know, the, the, in, in Star Wars where Anakin's sister dies at the very start and is compelled forced action. I don't know if Anakin's sister died, but oh, something like that happened. But I, <laughs> I couldn't correct you there, so I took your word for it, but it doesn't sound right. I know you haven't seen know. Star Wars, but, but there's always something at the very start that's compelling you as the call to action and the call to adventure and go on some kind of journey. And the thing is, once we head out on our journey, it is going to be very uncomfortable. As you say, stepping outside of the comfort and the certainty, we're stepping out into the wide open air of uncertainty. And uh, the next sort of little quote we love here is saying that and when you're alone, there's a, a very good chance you'll meet things that scare you right out of your pants. There are some down roads between hither and yon that can scare you so much, you don't want to go on. And here we're, we're facing obstacles and you know the book by Ryan Holiday, The Obstacle is the Way. Whenever we face an obstacle, we're gonna, we've got a very important decision to make. Do we cower away? Do we back away from it? Or do we decide to use this as our opportunity to move forward? So that's the choice. You can stay where you are, where it's really comfortable, or you can choose to go on this adventure and take on this, this challenge or whatever it might be. And every, for everyone, it might be different. You might be in your job right now and you want to go to a different job, which is closer to something that you might enjoy more, which is a bit more difficult. That's a, that's a journey in itself where you're going to face these big challenges. But like you said in The Obstacle is the Way, this obstacle that's in your path actually becomes the path. So whenever you actually take this call to adventure, there's going to be some kind of dragon or some kind of challenge that is going to be a part of this that you have to confront and once you destroy whatever this challenge is or you beat it, then you can actually get the pot of gold and you can improve in some kind of way. Yeah, and there's even in the book here, you know, the you know, little picture book, so there's this illustration of this massive, scary-looking monster. It's 10 times the size of the little hero that's, that's making her journey throughout the, the course and, you know, there's 
are going to be obstacles that feel like enormous, scary monsters. And some things like obstacles will hold us back, like physical, like our size or our race or uh, some kind of disability or maybe financial things. Or there could be mental things that hold us back, like our fear, uncertainty, inexperience, or maybe some kind of prejudice. But whatever we face along the way, there are going to be monsters. And it's up to us if we decide to be scared by this monster or if we decide to see this monster as our opportunity, as our path to advance through them and over them. So Joseph Campbell says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. So a lot of the times, the obstacles that are most frightening Mm -hmm. actually paradoxically holds the biggest treasure for you to earn from. So you could ask yourself, what is your challenge? What is your call to adventure? And you need to accept the, the challenge and conquer the fear and claim whatever your treasure might be. Yeah, it's important to note here that when we're going outside of our comfort zone, it is going to be scary and there are times when we will have to make that leap. If we decide that we're going to tackle this obstacle, it is going to be a leap from where we know. So like the book Reach that we did back in season two by Andy Malinsky, it is scary outside of your comfort zone and you will have to take a leap. But there's both a positive feedback loop of taking that leap. So every time you take a leap, yeah, it's going to be scary at the very start. But just by surviving that and thinking, okay, that wasn't so bad after all. I can do this. Your self-efficacy goes up. The next time you face an obstacle and take that leap, you're going to be a little bit more confident when you face it. And to contrast this, there's also a vicious cycle of avoidance. If you see an obstacle and you want to take that leap, but you avoid it and you back out, you're actually eroding your self-efficacy. You're eroding your confidence. And the next time you face a challenge, you're probably more likely to back out as well. So that's the second lesson. It's the idea that you need to take the call to adventure and get out of your comfort zone and get into that open air. The third lesson that we're going to move into is all about failure and the idea that pain is inevitable. Seuss Mann says, I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch and your gang will fly on. You'll be left in a lurch. So anywhere along our journey, we're outside of our comfort zone now. We're taking leaps. We're taking risks. We're facing obstacles. Inevitably, there are going to be some that we can't overcome. And inevitably, there is going to be some essence of failure, things that don't work out, some form of pain along this journey. So this is another fundamental part of the hero's journey as well from the Hero of a Thousand Faces. And the, the part of the process of the hero's journey that is the belly of the whale. It's somewhere along the way that you actually might get cooked in pursuing whatever you're trying to pursue you might be you know a startup trying to uh, do x but along the way you might not get this funding or whatever and then you get in this really dark place but again it's just part of the journey a lot of the time i like to think of you know batman in the dark knight rises how batman gets actually put down to that bottom of that big um big kind of hole in the ground with the league of shadows and in there that's just a part of the journey and you can actually grow from the whole experience and uh, be much better off for that for that negative part or the negative circumstances that you've been put through. Yeah, failure can be uh, a way forward. So as just as obstacles are a way forward, also failure. So you're, you're learning what doesn't work. So along this journey, you're going to try things. You're going to, you know, you might think that this is a great idea, but you'll quickly find out that perhaps it wasn't the best idea or wasn't the right approach. And rather than letting it get you down, 
and you thinking that, okay, this is never going to work, I'm going to give up, you need to realize, okay, I've just found one more way that doesn't work. If I tweak it a little bit, if I try something a little bit differently or if I take a big sidestep and try something else altogether, you got to realize that that failure taught you some lessons that are going to make you better on your next attempt. The second passage from that talks about how when things actually aren't going your way and you're failing a bit, you might see all your gang and your peers and your family and friends or whatever actually just fly on past you and you're just left in the lurch and it feels like everyone is doing much better than you are. Uh, I mean, this is a pretty common feeling every time you open up Instagram or something mm-hmm. and you just see everyone else's highlights real and you think, I'm just, just hanging out in the office today while all these other people are just killing it. But this is just a, a big part of human nature and a feeling that everybody has. Yeah, the laws of human nature, Robert Greene, he does talk a lot about how as a social animal, us humans, we always compare ourselves to others. So we are always looking for things that, you know, how are other people going and how am I going, not necessarily objectively, but how am I going compared to them? You know, like he says, like, you don't necessarily want a really nice car, but you want a car that's better than your friends. Mm -hmm. So we're always comparing ourselves to other people. And if you know, we feel like we're stuck up in the in the tree, in the prickly perch, and our gang is flying on. It's going to like exacerbate that pain. So I really like that idea of the car. Like, say today, if you bought a beautiful Mercedes, a 2019 model, you'd be pretty over the moon, wouldn't you? You'd be mm. driving fantastic, and you probably tell yourself it's because inherently the car is fantastic. But in 20 years' time, if you're driving around the same 2019 Mercedes Benz and everyone else is flying around in, fly, in freaking flying <laughs> the Tesla, hover Tesla, <laughs> Tesla hover cars and you've got that little piece of shit 2019 Mercedes, all of a sudden you're not feeling good. So a lot of the time, it isn't to do with the material possession itself. It's all about the material possession relative to what your peer group actually has. And this is what Dr. Seuss really taps in is that pain that you might feel when everyone else is flying away past you and you just feel like you're in your little lurch. Yeah. And just as you were saying, I thought it's it's almost like, you know, Seth Godin, this is marketing. It's not so much the, the product you're buying, but the feeling and the status that you're getting out of that product. Mm. And so when, you know, when everyone else moves on and you're stuck with where you were, then you, you're eroding that sense of, uh, of purpose or that sense of status, that sense of power. Man, so that was the that was the third lesson we took out of it about the ideas around failure and pain, and the fourth one is around procrastination. And specifically, don't procrastinate because as this little dude's going through his journey, everything's going well, he's winning, but then all of a sudden, he you know after he gets stuck in this prickly perch, one place that a lot of people end up is what he calls the waiting place. And so Dr. Seuss is saying, you know, I feel that we're heading towards a most useless place, the waiting place which is for people just waiting. You know, they're waiting for a train to come or a bus to go or a plane to go or the mail to come or the rain to go or the phone to ring or the snow to snow or waiting around for a yes or a no or waiting for their hair to grow because in this waiting place, everyone is just waiting. So in this image, there's a lot of really funny things happening. So <laughs> there's one pretty much infinite line of people just standing right behind one another and another. And it looks like they've been doing that a long time and they're waiting for a door to open of this little hut, which is the size of just one person. So, you know, inherent in that, there's probably a lot of people spending a lot of time for this pointless endeavor of just getting into this hut of one person. There's also another person sitting on a stool waiting for a phone to ring. So, the phone there, but the phone cord 
it's actually not connected to anything. So who knows how long this person is sitting <laughs> he's, there? He's gonna be waiting for a fair he's while. He's been waiting for a long time for that one. Man, like there's there's one there's a, a dude at the a top of a perch who's fishing in the pond, and the the guy who's up there is probably enjoying himself. He looks like he's pretty chilled, pretty relaxed. But there's like there's like two cats, three birds, and a couple of blokes all sitting around watching this dude, watching the the line in the water, waiting for something to happen. That the dude who's actually doing the fishing is probably having a good time, but the other eight different animals who are watching on are probably not having the best time. Well, that, that's a really interesting interesting thing about this image. It's quite genius because a lot of people are doing things, but they're all pointless. Mm. So even though they're doing things because it's pointless, they're kind of just waiting. Yeah. They're, they're, they feel like they're probably being productive because they are they all look a bit somewhat busy they're, or they feel like they're, even if they're waiting in line, they feel like they're waiting for something important to happen. But at the end of the day... I don't think the destination is going to be worth it. I don't think the juice is going to be worth the squeeze. MJ DeMarco in the Millionaire Fast Lane captures like a, a really interesting study that really captures all the energy and the dynamics of this. So in 2007, Joshua Bell, one of the greatest musicians in the world, who one night, just a few nights before this experiment, played to a packed out stadium of thousands of people who were spending $100 a ticket. But this time, Josh was playing in his violin inside an actual train station so the best musician in the world just in the training the morning train station with everybody in the morning rush on the way to work so in this morning rush of every people getting to their jobs and their busy lives 20,000 people passed and of those 20,000 people going past the most talented musician in the world only six people stopped very briefly and 20 gave money and it's continued on at a very brisk pace I think we're all feeling busy. We're feeling like we're important, but perhaps we're just caught up in this rat race. You know, we're rushing to get the train. We're rushing to get to work, to get to somewhere that we think we're working hard and keep keeping on keeping on. But at the end of the day, perhaps we're not investing our energies in the right directions. So, you know, the, we get this idea of, you know, thank God it's Friday because we've rushed through the whole week and finally we feel like maybe we get to the point where we can you know relax a little bit or do something different uh, rather than just being busy being busy and you know missing old Joshy Bell on the on the corner who's um, ripping out some serious violin definitely I'd say if you're prostituting your Monday to Friday like a pure trade just for thank God it's Friday just so you get that elation on Saturday and Sunday and those five days are just a pure trade then I'd say you're probably in the waiting place if I was brutally honest, mm. and you know, finding your purpose, you probably haven't found anything with enough meaning for you to actually enjoy your Monday to Friday, and all of a sudden, it's not a five for two trade. It's just you're enjoying every seven seven days of your life, because one of the most painful things to think about, and this is for a lot of people, especially in this image in the waiting pace place, you might be really busy climbing some ladder and trying to work really really hard at something only to at the very end of your life and you've climbed most of the ladder to realize that the ladder is actually been leaning against the wrong wall the whole entire time. Yeah, so that's a, a vitally important one. I think that segues nicely into our fifth lesson, which is have a goal and advance with a sense of purpose. So as you say, maybe you are climbing the ladder, but you, you're only thinking about the next step. You're not thinking about what's at the top. So the importance here of taking a little bit of a step back maybe elevating the perspective a little and setting a goal to make sure that you're on the right track. So we're really not we're not really on earth for very long, right? And we all want to make the most of the time we've got. And 
people, most people out there, they don't fail in life because they aim too high or too low. Most people fail because they choose to not aim at all. Mm. So, the, the idea of setting a goal, it actually creates the phenomena of or setting the reticular activation part of your brain on order, which is really just a fancy name for your ability to filter all the irrelevant bullshit information out there and concentrate on just the essentials based on whatever your goal might be. So if you're obsessed about with your goal to, I don't know, get promoted or something like that, all of a sudden your reticular activation is going to filter out all the, the, the stuff that's irrelevant to that goal. And for example, if you're walking through the shopping center out of the corner of your eye, what's going to be filtered through in your reality or all the things like that. It might be the suit that is going to impress the, the boss or the, the books that are going to help your career or anything like that based on whatever your goals might be. So the first step is to set your goal and then you're automatically going to be filtering out all the crap information that doesn't help you toward that. Yeah, as you said that if, if people you know fail somewhat, it's not necessarily because they aim too high or too low, but as you said, most people probably don't aim at all we just think of the immediate next step and we're busy being busy and we're busy working towards what we think is going to be an improvement. But if we don't ever set that uh, precise endpoint, that precise end goal at the very start, then we're, it's probably going to be, you know, we're going to be heading down the wrong direction before we realize it. So for a lot of people, it might seem really difficult to set up a goal because you, you don't know really what you want. And mm. I've been through that as well. Uh, an exercise that I got allowed a lot out of, which you're going to hate hearing this, Ash, though, oh, but, no. but was like the future authoring program. Oh, that's, that's but it's the idea of if you actually write down a compelling future, just paint what your future might be where everything's amazing and allow yourself to be a little bit ambitious with it. Mm. And you can start painting a, an idea of a life what you might want. So if you just start writing and let the unconscious flow, you might get a better understanding. And then the next step is actually to create some longer-term goals based on that. And then you can break it down into your daily actions. So all of a sudden, you've got some your daily actions are inherently linked to this vision of your future, what that might be. And this whole process will make it a lot easier and really uh, align all your day-to-day actions toward these bigger goals that you might have. Yeah, I think that's vitally important, man, to start with the high level and then break it down to the tangible day-by-day. If all we're thinking about is what do we do next or what do we do today or what do we do tomorrow uh, without thinking of what's the end point, then we're going to be busy being busy rather than being busy being productive. So I think the next stage that comes after the the goal setting and then, you know, what do you need to do it? Uh, Tony Robbins says in Awaken the Giant Within, you know, it's not necessarily what you need to do in order to achieve your goal, but who do you need to become in order to uh, achieve your goal? So it's almost like uh, what do, you know, a person who has achieved this goal that I'm setting out to make at the end, what type of person are they? And looking at it from that perspective, rather than a to-do list of what needs to be done. Thinking of it is what type of person, what type, what type of character, what type of ideas, what type of approaches do they bring to life? I think that's a, an interesting way to look at it as well. So, be your name, Bucksbaum or Bixie or Bray or Mordecai, Ali Van, Ali O'Shea. You're off to great places. Today's your day. Your mountain is waiting. So, get on your way. I'm a big fan of, uh, of this book. You know, it is a kid's book, but reading it from this perspective has been uh, really interesting. Probably the book I've read the most times, probably doesn't, it's a bit of a cheap considering it's such a short, (laughs) easy book to read, but it's also probably the book I've bought the most in terms of buying it and giving it to other people because it's, it could be a little uh, way, a little foot in the door, I guess, as a a simple little book 
with a bit of undercover meaning in there. Uh, so I've bought a shitload of these. If if you're looking to buy this book for yourself uh, or for somebody else, we'd appreciate if you use our book depository link where we get a little 5% uh, slice of the action there. Uh, I think it's only about 8 to 10 bucks on book depository with free uh, shipping worldwide. So that's a good one. We'll put the link in the description of, of this episode uh, and it's definitely a must read, I reckon. Now that you've listened to our discussion of the book, we're going to do something we haven't done before and we can do it because it's such a short book. We're going to read out the book now. It's only about five or six minutes. And then we'd love to hear your thoughts. What are your lessons, your learnings, your takeaways or any ideas that you get from listening to this? We talked about our five biggest takeaways and how they are related to some of the other books that we've read and that we've podcasted about. We'd love to hear some more of your ideas from things that you pick up from this so-called kids book, which I think reads much better uh, when you're an adult than when you're a kid. So we'd love to hear what you think. Get in touch with us anytime, podcast at whatyouwilllearn.com. Send us an email and hope you enjoy. Congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself in any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know and you are the guy who will decide where to go. You'll look up and down streets, look them over with care. About some you will say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not so good street. And you may not find any you'll want to go down. In that case, of course, you head straight out of town. It's opener there, in the wide open air. Out there, things can happen, and frequently do, to people as brainy and footsy as you. And when things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew, just go right along, you'll start happening too. Oh, Oh, the the places places you'll you'll go. go. You'll be on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who saw the high heights. You won't lag behind because you'll have the speed. You'll pass the whole gang and you'll soon take the lead. Wherever you fly, you'll be best of the best. Wherever you go, you'll top all the rest. Except when you don't. Because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch and your gang will fly on. You'll be left in a lurch. You'll come down from the lurch with an unpleasant bump and the chances are then that you'll be in a slump. And when you're in a slump, you're not in for much fun. Unslumping yourself is not easily done. You will come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted but mostly they're darked. A place you could sprain both your elbow and chin. Do you dare to stay out? Do you dare to go in? How much can you lose? How much can you win? And if you go in, should you turn left or right? Or maybe right and three quarters? Or maybe not quite? Or go round the back and sneak in from behind? Simple it's not, I'm afraid you'll find, for a mind-maker-upper to make up his mind. 
You can get so confused that you'll start into race down long-wiggled roads at a breaknecking pace and grind on for miles across weirdish wild space headed, I fear, toward a most useless place. The waiting place. For people just waiting. Waiting for a train to go or a bus to come or a plane to go or the mail to come, or the rain to go, or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow, or waiting around for a yes or a no, or waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting. Waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for wind to fly a kite, or waiting around for Friday night, or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake, or for a pot to boil, or a better break, or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. No, that's not for you. Somehow you'll escape all that waiting and staying. You'll find the bright places where the boom bands are playing. With banner flip-flapping, once more you'll ride high. Ready for anything under the sky. Ready, because you're that kind of guy. Oh, the places you'll go. There is fun to be done. There are points to be scored, there are games to be won, and the magical things you can do with that ball will make you the winningest winner of all. Fame, you'll be famous, as famous can be, with the whole wide world watching you win on TV. Except when they don't. Because sometimes they won't. I'm afraid that sometimes you'll play lonely games too. Games you can't win? Because you'll play against you. All alone, whether you like it or not, alone will be something you'll be quite a lot. And when you're all alone, there's a very good chance you'll meet things that scare you right out of your pants. There are some down the road between hither and yon that can scare you so much you won't want to go on. But on you will go, though the weather be foul. On you will go, though your enemies prowl. On you will go, though the hack and cracks howl. Onward up many a frightening creek, though your arms may get sore and your sneakers may leak. On and on you will hike. I know you'll hike far and face up to your problems, whatever they are. You'll get mixed up, of course, as you already know. You'll get mixed up with many strange birds as you go. So be sure when you step, step with great care and great tact. And remember that life's a great balancing act. Just never forget to be dexterous and deft and never mix up your right foot with your left. And will you succeed? Yes, you will. Indeed. 98 and three quarter percent guaranteed. Kid, you'll move mountains. So, be your name Buxbaum or Bixby or Bray or Mordecai Ali Van Allen O'Shea. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. <laughs> <laughs>